Well, the dust has settled on the official Xbox podcast where Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty sat down to tell us about the vision for the future of Xbox. And after reading a variety of reactions and responses and reflecting on everything that was said, I can honestly say that they said nothing. Not only that, they used a smattering of PR buzzwords in corporate speak from where I sit to mislead the public. Once again, they are more focused on creating a vague notion of everybody playing everywhere and doing what they can to motivate Game Pass subscribers to stay subbed. But then they do an interview with The Verge and send an internal memo that makes it very clear they're telling the public one thing in this podcast while planning to do something very different. What we all thought was coming after weeks of rumors is happening, and they are just getting started. I also think that while they said very little, there are a few statements that are being glossed over that really tell you what their real plan is. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video in the form of an opening monologue, and then I discuss it with the live audience. So if you want to be here for those live discussions, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out on these shows. Now that everyone has had time to reflect on the Xbox podcast, where we were supposed to get a clear vision of Xbox's future, I have to say, they said practically nothing. And even big names in the Xbox spaces of the internet are not buying what Phil is selling anymore. What so many of us sense the last two years is now taking root even in the most diehard Xbox fan circles. So first, I want to talk about what happened from the four games going to other platforms that they wouldn't tell us the names of, to what they said about Game Pass and hardware and the overall sense of mixed messaging. Second, I want to look at the reactions to this. My initial reaction was basically, if I were a hardcore Xbox fan, I would not have been satisfied with what they said. And there are some hardcore Xbox fans that are expressing that disappointment. But there are also those who seemingly thought the podcast was a big win. Lastly, I'll tell you what I think. I already did a show with my friend 30 and Still Gaming about this, but I wanted time to think and reflect of how I wanted to summarize and react to the podcast. So first, what happened? Well, obviously, if you're watching this, you've probably already seen the podcast. So I don't want to give a absolute point by point summary. Okay, I do have some choice quotes that I want to quote in this because they are very, very telling, but I don't want to basically do that entire thing. I want to focus on the major points and establish how little was said and how the messaging felt very mixed. So the first thing I want to talk about is the four games. Okay, for whatever reason, they did not want to say the name of these four games, but rather gave generic descriptions and timelines for them. Right now, the general consensus is that the four games are going to be Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, Pentiment, and Grounded. The fourth game, if it ends up not being Grounded, it's totally up for grabs. As Phil said, it's like a community-focused game, so I still think that Grounded is the most likely option. My personal opinion is that they did not want to say the names because no matter how much Phil tries to play down these games, hearing them listed would have felt like a significant change which Phil assured viewers that this is not a fundamental change. And I have to say, that's flatly untrue. Any big-time Xbox fan should feel somewhat insulted that he stressed that this wasn't a change. Imagine Nintendo or PlayStation doing this, even with more minor titles, like a first-party exclusive suddenly going to a, a rival platform. It would be viewed as a big change because it is. Now, I tried to stress this at the time because everybody's jumping to words like cope or coping, but the fact that they wouldn't tell you the games, but they did want to stress that the four games were not Starfield or Indiana Jones to me, is a massive red flag. Well, why? 
because he told The Verge when asked about those two games that Starfield and Indiana Jones could actually still happen in the future. Again, as a strong Xbox fan, you should feel manipulated because many were quick to say, ha, look, see, no Starfield. But that is simply not what Phil Spencer said. I honestly feel Xbox is just making things worse because now, as the telephone game of the internet does, everything he said is going to get twisted. So let's just say in the future that Starfield and Indiana Jones end up making the jump as Many still feel that is very likely. I'm seeing strong Xbox fans. I'm seeing press outlets say it is still very likely to happen in the future. Well, many will say, hang on a minute. I thought Phil said Starfield wasn't going to go to other platforms, which I think is what he hoped people would think. They seem to want to maintain brand loyalty while pushing against the very things they built that loyalty with. So they make vague assurances to make it seem as if, well, that's not happening or that's not changing. The last thing worth mentioning about the four games is that Phil said nobody should see this as a signal that everything's coming over. Now, I don't think anybody expected that. He's sort of pushing against a straw man. It's like nobody thought you were going to move literally the entire Xbox catalog to other platforms. That would be something you would obviously limit. Some games are just too old. They wouldn't be worth it. They're not relevant anymore. He also made it sound as if these games would be a test, and even that someone might play them and become interested in Xbox. Now, that's sort of where the mixed messaging starts, because all throughout the podcast, they talk about putting Xbox games in as many places as possible. Phil even sent an internal memo saying that they envision a future where every screen is an Xbox. You remember that saying that was attributed to Sarah Bond, and I thought that's completely antithetical to exclusives. Well, Phil Spencer is communicating that internally to Xbox staff. Now, if that's the case, then a game coming to PlayStation isn't going to foster interest in Xbox. Why? Because their own vision makes PlayStation just another Xbox to them. So you're not trying to win that consumer consumer over to anything, really. So when he says that, they're like, well, we're going to put these games in other places and hopefully that fosters an interest in Xbox. But there is no central location or hardware anymore under this vision that they are casting. Now, this touches on their hardware commitment. And on the subject of hardware, Sarah Bond said, we've invested in the next generation. And what we're really focused on is delivering the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hardware generation. Now, the thing to focus on this is two things. She doesn't say they're going to deliver the biggest leap, the biggest technical leap. It's just that they're focused on delivering the largest technical leap. Not that they're actually going to do it. It's just what they're focused on. It's very, very removed committal language, okay? You gotta gotta pay attention to these things. These things are written very particularly. Also, she doesn't say performance leap. I got a little excited. I was a little apprehensive given what happened with the Series X. If you go back and look at the Project Scarlet trailer, and then you look at the state of the Series X now, they basically lied to the public. We didn't get what we were promised. So I wasn't about to buy into another big promise about performance leap, but she didn't say performance leap. She said technical leap, and that could be anything. That could be the cloud hybrid, right? In their minds, that's a big technical leap if they're able to give you access to higher fidelity games and you don't have to buy a piece of hardware and they do it through something small or something inexpensive. That could be described as a technical leap. There's also rumors about a handheld hybrid as well. Technical Leap could be completely subjective to whatever their future focus is. If they're focused on cloud and play anywhere, then I don't see some crazy high-end piece of hardware in Xbox's future. I mean, that would be amazing if I was wrong and they come out with something incredible, but it doesn't just just doesn't seem to fit 
with their business plan and their forecasting. Because if you really listen to what they say all throughout the podcast, a high-end console just doesn't make any sense. They're far more focused on stressing that their goal is to increase the reach of every game. This is why talking about, well, it's only four games to start, this doesn't mean everything is moving, it just sounds like well-worded, empty promises. As I said when I heard that Sarah Bond said it, and well, now Phil has officially said it, saying every screen is an Xbox, and then in the next breath saying, well, this is an Xbox exclusive, that just doesn't make any sense. They're polar opposite ideas. Because I've seen a lot of people ask the same question that I asked after this podcast. Well, What is an Xbox at this point? It's clearly not a console after what you've done this gen. And according to your own internal documents, it's not about a console generation anymore. It's about an ecosystem generation. Well, what's that even mean? Now, before I look to how people reacted to the podcast, I did want to speak on Game Pass. First, Sarah Bond apparently misspoke when she said 34 million people on Game Pass would be able to enjoy Diablo 4. Well, Game Pass Core is included in that 34 million and they will not be getting Diablo 4 on their version of Game Pass. Now, on the subject of 34 million, as is typical with Xbox, we cannot get a hard breakdown. Some are speculating that Game Pass has lost subscribers and they're using Game Pass core conversions to hide it. Others are taking Phil Spencer at his word when he said the people that converted to Game Pass Core was not a large portion of the sub-base, so people that are seeing that are celebrating this as growth. Now, my opinion is that it's just more PR nonsense to hide the fact that their Game Pass strategy has not worked. The sub-model is plateauing and likely to head toward another decline for virtually all sub-models. This is affecting PlayStation, TV, and movie subs, all of them. So, overall, I just felt that messaging was also mixed. It's like you keep stressing the fact that you want people to play anywhere but then you're still trying to tout Game Pass. and But then Matt Booty says Game Pass is only going to be available on the Xbox platform, and even we know that's not true because they're trying to put Game Pass and already have put Game Pass in other places. You can't go from saying, we're moving for first-party exclusive to see how it goes, maybe more in the future, but this isn't a change in strategy, and then you stress that more games are going to be in more places, to then you're talking about Game Pass day and date and a future commitment of hardware. It just felt muddled. The entire thing felt muddled. Are you looking to move games to other platforms? Well, since that would be a safe assumption, given that you told the public and the press that this is just a test run to see how it goes, if that's the case, then you are changing strategy. To say, well, we've been saying this for a while, when everybody plays, we all win. Yeah, well, when you said that, you also said not every game would come to PC, and two years later, it's now a hallmark of the brand. That's something that is touted in interviews. Oh, our games launch on Xbox and PC at the same time. I think we're staring down the, a very similar marketing barrel here. They're saying, oh, not every game, or oh, just these four, and in a couple of years, it's just going to be all games. And they'll tout that in interviews, as Phil Spencer has already said he doesn't see how anybody benefits from Helldivers 2 being exclusive. I said they would start to demonize exclusives, and they touch on that in this podcast. I'm not sure how anybody could have any confidence in the future of Xbox games staying exclusive because the question would be, staying exclusive to where? How could you even firmly describe the future of the platform after this podcast? Just compare the Series X marketing to how far we have come. That's why I said, they said basically nothing. Or, oh, there, there's rumors that there are games going to other platforms? Oh, we should speak to that. Okay, yeah, there are four, but it's not Starfield, it's not Indiana Jones, and well, maybe there'll be 
maybe we'll do those games in the future if we see good business reason to and well maybe we'll do other titles as well but we're committed to Xbox and creators and more games in more places but we're also committed to hardware and day and date on Game Pass basically after they confirmed the four titles would be jumping they just took turns parroting generic marketing talking points that they've been saying for years so how exactly did the podcast share the vision for the future of Xbox and since when do we get assurances about the next gen console after only three years of being in this generation okay so that's basically what happened but before I move on I want to give you a few choice quotes from the podcast because I feel they ultimately said very little They actually did, though, I think, have some very interesting things to say if you listen carefully. Phil said the following, quote, The fundamental decision driver for any decision that we make, anything we talk about today, is the long-term health of Xbox. That we are growing and running, I'm sorry, we are running a growing platform that's reaching more players that our games are having as much success as possible. And I do have a fundamental belief that over the next five to ten years, exclusive games, games that are exclusive to one piece of hardware, are going to be smaller and smaller part of the industry. Industry. Now, it's interesting, he pivots from this fundamental decision driver to his fundamental belief. They are intertwined, and it lines up with what Satya Nadella said, because Phil said that their decision driver is the long-term health of Xbox. That's what's driving these decisions. And when the CEO of Microsoft was asked about the health and the future of Xbox, he said, we're going to do what we always set out to do, make great games, and put them on all platforms. So you can see why, in Phil's mind, the two are connected, because it's the vision for Xbox's future from Phil's own boss. Now, another thing Phil said, he said, Xbox is a platform for creators who want to reach the most players. Our investment in xCloud, our investments in franchises like Minecraft and Call of Duty and other large franchises, so that we learn how to build those. This has been a strategy that we've been on, I'd say, for a decade. It's not about one device. It's not about games in service of a device, but rather the devices that people want to play on should be in service of making the games as big and as popular as they could be. Again, the careful listener will pick up on what is happening. Phil is basically saying our games are not in service to the console. This is what makes the podcast feel so muddled because Xbox can't be defined if it's a pl- as a platform, but it's also everywhere. That's that's not a platform. How can you be a platform if the games are best served by being in as many places as possible? That doesn't sound like a platform strategy. That sounds like a publisher strategy. Another thing that Phil said that really Agrees, and it lines up similar verbiage to what the CFO said last year. He said, today there's really two choices on how to grow the industry. Do you say, I have a fixed number of players, the players that we have today, and do I find new ways to monetize those players to get more money from the players that I have? Or do you think about how to expand the business I have by finding new players and adding to the base of players that already play? Our focus on Xbox for the last decade has really been on the latter point of how do we make sure Xbox is growing, growing for our players, growing for our creators, so those people are finding success on our platform, which will grow the Xbox business and put Xbox in a position to be very strong for years and decades to come. Now, the word to zero in on here is fixed because the CFO told a Wells Fargo summit, quote, we've got a fixed console audience with Xbox or relatively fixed. So you have the CFO and Phil 
using the same language and they're describing the same philosophy because this is the Wells Fargo Summit where the CFO of Xbox said they would be bringing first party games to platforms that were previously considered competitors and Phil is saying the same thing we can't focus on the fixed audience we already have we've got to take our stuff to other places so I think those quotations in particular don't gloss over those okay they said a lot of nothing. They didn't really communicate clearly at all. And you got more information from an internal memo sent to Xbox employees and the Verge interview than you did from the 22-minute podcast. So what have the reactions been to this? Well, the first reaction I saw from some, not all, actually this celebration faded with time. People were celebrating the fact that they said no Starfield, okay? As time has gone on, more and more people are accepting the fact that that still very likely will happen. I'm seeing really big Xbox guys. I'm seeing guys that were very upset by all the rumors. They're like, yeah, it's probably still going to happen. Why would they not move Starfield if they're willing to move these four titles? They made it very clear. They're just getting started started and they're leaving the door open for games like Starfield and Indiana Jones. Now some are theorizing that Starfield and Indiana Jones were intentionally leaked to soften the blow of four games so that they could walk out and say yes we're moving four games but not Starfield and Indiana Jones. I don't know if I buy into conspiracy theories like that, that they intentionally leaked this because the leaks made them do this early and it felt very awkward. It felt very slapped together. They pre-recorded it and it still had mistakes in it. So I do not think they were like intentionally leaking stuff so that then they could like soften the blow because this all felt very reactionary. But... With the number of outlets and insiders reporting that they heard Starfield is coming, it very likely was considered. Maybe even they had that tentative and that hypothetical timeline drawn up, because according to Xbox era, it was going to be happening after the DLC, which lines up to what Phil said, right? We looked at games that were older than a year. Well, by the time that DLC comes out, and by the time we get through all the updates this year, Starfield will have been out for a year, and then it's up for consideration. They're playing that shell game. They're playing that PR game. Oh, we currently don't have any plans, or we're currently not working on anything. Yeah, that makes perfectly good sense. You wouldn't be porting Starfield over right now. You're going to be updating it every six weeks and then delivering a DLC. Those plans would likely come later. I really don't see the benefit in not moving Starfield. Once a few games make the jump, the damage is done. People are going to say, oh, they're going to do more. And it's going to be similar to when they said, oh, not all games are coming to PC. The interviews, the verbiage, they're almost identical. This change will happen. And even if it happens and somehow Starfield never comes over, it doesn't really matter, does it? In a couple of years, it'll just be standard practice as far as we can tell. I will say, though, I was encouraged to see major Xbox personalities on Twitter just flat out not buying this. They call this PR. They called it spin. They're calling out the YouTubers and the outlets who are couching this as a win. This is pairing very well with those who went skeptical, right? We went in skeptical. I don't know what they're going to say, right? Those of us who have been disappointed with Xbox for a while are pointing to the internal memo and the interviews with Tom Warren. And listen, the interview with Tom Warren is to keep the shareholders and the investors happy. You can't have the CFO and Satya Nadella saying, hey, listen, we're going to start moving games and putting games in more places. And then you can't walk out and tell the public, no, no, we're just going to do four and and no more. You have to make it clear that this is not a one-off 
instance because investors and shareholders would feel lied to. So let me quickly give you my thoughts. I've kind of already largely given you my thoughts, okay? Hopefully I have demonstrated today just how empty that podcast really was. But also, I hope it's clear, they were dodging the bigger questions, casting an unclear vision, and giving clues as to what is really happening. I've listened to the podcast a few times. I've listened to people react to it, and I still believe this entire thing felt awkward, and forced to get everybody's attention to say hey we're going to talk about the future of xbox and to say largely nothing for 22 minutes i think that is what speaks volumes but that's just what i think what do you think so let me give you my closing thoughts and conclusions on this first I wish this podcast would have landed on a day where I could have done a thoughtful breakdown and monologue like the one I'm doing right now before today. But I honestly think it was helpful to sit on this for a weekend and I got to look at the reactions. I got to look at the dust settle, right? Initially, I think people were like, I'm feeling pretty good. That was really encouraging, but they slept on it. They reflected. They re-listened to it. They read that internal memo. They read that interview with The Verge. And they just completely, like, kind of changed the way they were viewing it. Now, I did discuss this on Friday with my friend 30 and Still Gaming, but even then, my view was more 30,000 feet. I hadn't gone back and looked for quotations or moments that I felt were important. The second thing I want to say is the best thing to come out of this is watching those who defended Xbox's every move up to this point. They're finally saying enough is enough. I'm seeing folks say that they love Xbox, but they're not buying into the Phil Spencer spin machine anymore. Obviously, this is wishful thinking, but maybe the console tribalism will die down a bit, or at the very least, it'll just look more and more silly as time goes on. Some big-time Xbox fans are turning around to finally criticize the brand that they love. Now, this is something I did a lot of in 2023. I ramped up. 2022, I was disappointed. In 2023, it just got worse for me as a longtime Xbox fan. Hopefully they can see that criticizing a brand you like is healthy. It's not driven by anything other than wanting it to be better. I don't see haters cheering for Halo to be better. I don't see haters asking for 343 and the plans for Halo to be treated better and to be handled better and to get off these horrible contract policies. That's not the posture of a hater. That's the posture of somebody who's invested and wants things to be better. My conclusion is this. I honestly have no clue what Xbox will look like in five years, but if it goes the way their previous interviews and assurances have gone, I see most, if not all, of their new game launches landing anywhere that the game will fit. Now, sure, there'll be games that don't land on maybe the Switch due to performance issues, or maybe it doesn't land on the PlayStation due to market research. There might even be timing issues, right? We're hearing that the Nintendo Switch 2 has been pushed back to like quarter one of 2025. But by and large, I don't see Xbox limiting the reach of the games because they can make it, I believe actually, they have made it crystal clear. They want to maximize the reach of every game to help the Xbox business be around for years to come. And I don't think they intend to do that with exclusives and with Game Pass. But those are just my thoughts. Now it's time to hear your thoughts. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. A new week ahead of us and... 
I don't like that we've had to cover this so much, but I didn't really have time to write out lengthy thoughts. It was like I literally did that show with Mike, and that night I was not able to do much. I like literally shut down after watching the podcast with you guys, had dinner with my kiddos, and then that next morning I had stuff going on. I couldn't even do a live show, so I booted up with Mike, and I was largely at 30,000 feet. I've re-listened to the podcast numerous times, especially with other people chiming in. It's sometimes helpful, like other people hear things that maybe you don't hear. And I was like, I really want to, I really want to do like a lengthy monologue on this and really give my, uh, my thoughts on it. So give me one second here. I got to thank some of these gifteds. All right. So we got, hang on. I don't know if DK beggars first or not. DK beggar is usually first. DK beggar is first. Han shot first. And so did you. We hit an amazing goal last week of 3000 members. And if you guys hit that goal again this week, my wife's going to be out of town. We can do a community game night Friday night and we can include all gifted members. And a five bomb comes in from sneaky wolf to start the day strong, taking us to six members on the day. And then DK beggar renews for 16 months on the VIP tier. Thank you so much for doing that, DK Beggar. I'm curious what you guys think about the fact that it does seem that as time went on, a lot of the people that were initially celebrating this were like, no, man, this is just a bunch of spin. This is just a bunch of PR. People were initially like, yo, this was so good. And then I think the dust settled and they thought about it. And they're like, they really didn't say anything because that was my initial reaction. Yo, a gifted from Patrick Q. Thank you very, very much. Taking us to seven members on the day. Evidence says Xbox fans are going to get you for covering the business podcast and not... Well, I need time to look at all that evidence, that new stuff about PlayStation and the the operating costs and all of that. I'm not a financial guy. I saw that just this morning. My weekends, I don't check. I don't check in on any of this stuff. I played Hell Divers and hung out with my family. So, I mean, I don't really care if they come after me for not covering something. I, last I checked, I don't. I don't answer to people I don't respect. I don't really care what all these sideline haters think, dude. I cover things the way I want and when I want, and they can hurl as much hate as they want. I mean, keep promoting me. You know, you're just driving more people to the channel. I, the free advertising, go for it. I don't care. Was I wrong to be excited about Sarah Bond hinting at a technical leap aspirations? I don't know if you're wrong, but Mark, it could be it could be anything. It it literally could be anything. It's like, well, that could be a cloud hybrid. They could view that as a huge technical leap. Like think about it like this. If they're one of the first people to do it, they could say this is the biggest technical leap in hardware. Nobody's done this before. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I don't I just don't think after everything they said they're focused on some high-end console yo a single gift that comes in from Joker Quinn thank you so much Joker Quinn appreciate that single gifted Xbox needs to work on making games people want to play next gen who cares about the hardware yo Cisco thanks for renewing your membership welcome back didn't help them now with the extra uh xbox hang on hang on who cares about hardware it didn't help them now with their extra teraflops well right it's it's also not it's also hard not to just go back to the the project scarlet marketing and be like yeah here we go again you're going to use some some lingo some 
you know, biggest technical leap to convince everybody that, you know, your next piece of hardware is going to be amazing. And it's like, well, you did the same thing with Project Scarlet. And then we all bought in. We all got Series X's. And it's like, and, and now, and now where are we? Like, what are we even doing here? Moore's Law is Dead says that Microsoft are a year behind Sony in starting work on the next generation with AMD. It's hard to even know, though, because, again, if they're not working on a high-end console from 30,000 feet, it might look like they're behind. That's what they said about streaming TV and look now. I'm not sure what you're saying, Rogue Gaming. Vedger with 10 months says, Xbox publishing on PlayStation won't make any favors for Xbox. They're better off investing that money into the game engine development and R&D. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I think they can make a killing by publishing games on PlayStation and Nintendo. They own really great property. Are we forgetting how much property they now own? Right? Like, I want you to think about how much property that they now own that is sort of monolithic in the gaming world. If you think about games like Doom, if you think about games like Elder Scrolls, they also own Call of Duty. They already own Minecraft. They own household names. And when you own household names, I mean, even Candy Crush is a household name now, right? So when you own household names that have that level of reach and that level of profitability, well, then they're going to make a ton of money. I, I, don't, I don't see a future where they don't tap into putting games literally everywhere they can. It just doesn't make any sense to not do that. Once you do it with a couple of titles, how do you put that back in the box? How do you, how do you re-knit that sweater? I don't, I don't see how you undo that. That's why I think people... I think people were right, rightfully mad that they watch this podcast that gives them an impression, and then they go read an interview with The Verge, and it's like, wait a minute, like, this is just the beginning. This isn't going to be some one-off thing. This isn't going to be like an experiment. This is literally step one in a long process of just putting the games everywhere. Cloud gaming is not perfect, but it's the future. I don't know how people can accept stuff like sending people to other countries for this, but Sony and Xbox going subscription-based gaming is wrong. Well, nobody's going subscription-based gaming anymore. I don't even believe Xbox is going subscription-based gaming because Phil Spencer indicated it's only going to be like 15% of their annual revenue and all sub-models are plateauing. Subscription-based gaming is not the future. I know people think that's what's coming because they want to control your ownership. I think digital owner only is how they control your ownership. They're not going to control your ownership with submodel. They're going to control your your ownership with digital only. Submodel submodel's not the future at all. Now, your remarks about cloud gaming. Cloud gaming certainly has a potential future, but it's got a lot of things in its way. Currently, infrastructure is just too outdated in too many places. You're not going to get a good experience in cloud gaming on a lot of the available internet in in America, for example. Tons of people just won't have a good experience because their internet's just not good enough. That doesn't mean that cloud gaming can't get better, but I just I don't think it's happening anytime in the near future. I think it's still a ways away because of infrastructure needs. Subservices seem to have grind to a halt in general. Yeah, all analysis on that is that there are a lot of the TV subservices they're going to they're going to merge up. 
PlayStation's is slowed down too. Nobody's nobody's submodel is the future of anything. I don't think so. Like they see potential growth for Game Pass in certain markets, but that that's great that you you want to have growth for everything that you offer, but that's not going to be the centrality of the Xbox brand. I just don't think so because there's too many signs pointing to submodel slowing down. Cloud gaming is the future, says Miyako Best Girl, is like the flying cars of the 1900s. Maybe it is, but we ain't there yet, so trying to push it hard or force it is only going to harm the industry. I don't think Xbox's plan is to push cloud gaming prematurely. I think they want to stay in the gaming market while that starts to develop. And I'll tell you why. They've got experience with office 365 and uh their cloud services and they know that that has now become endemic to the business world so they're looking at gaming and they're saying if we can stay in the gaming fight for another 15 years cloud gaming will be endemic to the gaming experience in 10 to 15 years and we're going to be here holding a massive amount of property we're going to be in a great spot Because regardless of what happens with the various consoles, they have content, they have property, and that enables them to constantly enter the market as profitable as possible. That's why when you listen to that podcast, they're not focused on getting you into a box anymore. Like they said, games are no longer servicing the device the devices need to serve the games we want our games everywhere that's a complete shift in strategy so for phil spencer to say their strategy hasn't changed that's just absolutely bogus now he can keep pointing to the fact that we've always said this right play anywhere cross play when everybody plays everybody wins he can say that as much as he wants i i I genuinely don't think that the that 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 justifies saying oh we haven't changed our strategy Just because they've said that for a very long time does not mean their strategy has not shifted like one iota. I mean, they've shifted quite a bit, actually. So, what we we are going to be talking about today is, I've already kind of given you guys my thoughts in a lengthy monologue about, I believe they fundamentally said nothing, but I also feel like they gave really, really good insight and clues into what they're going to be doing. I don't think you can like I don't think you can look at some of the statements they're making to the the various outlets, the various interviews, their internal memos, even some of the quotes I pulled out from the podcast. I don't think you can look at any of that and say that well, yeah, we don't have a clue where they're going. I think they want the public to think everything's staying the same. That's why if you really think about this, I'll get to the tip in a second boycott activity. If you really think about this, They were sort of passively trying to make it seem as if nothing was changing by saying the same talking points they've been saying for years. It almost lulls you into this sense of nothing's changing. That's why a lot of people said, well, yeah, I mean, they're they're just doing the same thing they've always done. A five spot from Boycott Activity says, PlayStation's profits are relatively low. No surprise seeing profits in games as a service in AA, second markets. Uh, PlayStation fans gatekeep against and doesn't support first party-wise. I'm not sure what what you're referring to at the second half of that. I think all we're seeing is proof that budgets are insane. As I've said for years now. Right? 
I think I'm on your mobile feed. Yeah, if you guys see us on Reforge Rundown in a vertical stream, that's just to get us into the shorts feed and the mobile feed. Like, yeah, we've been saying for a long time, gaming budgets are astronomical. And people that were like, we shouldn't have to pay more for games. Game prices shouldn't change. And then we're looking at reports coming out that even some of the most successful games are having to wait for like long tail profit like that the opening the opening windows aren't as good as they want them to be what's because they're incredibly expensive to make erotimus says when we all play we all win promotion is for accessibility right but they also started touting that erotimus for crossplay right you remember, they really talked about playing anywhere with anyone. When everybody plays, everybody wins. For a long time, for a long time, they have been stressing that in the vein of either accessibility or crossplay. To, to go back in time and to be like, we've always said this. We've always said this is what we were going to do. It's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you were doing it like incognito so that you could always refer back to this. But nobody thought when they bought a Series X this time around, that that's what was going to be happening. All you have to do is look at the meltdowns that happened from major Xbox fans and podcasts and YouTube channels. They don't want that future because it's not what they felt that they've been promised. Which is exactly why they come out and they try to make it seem like they're not doing that. Miyako Best Girl says, Lono's been predicting this approach for like the past year or two. Seems really in line with Xbox's historical decision making. Yeah, like I said whenever they started looking at this, I was like, I was like oh yeah, Microsoft's going to take the software approach. They're going to take the software approach. They're going to buy all that property and then they're just going to put it everywhere. That They're going to try to maximize their ROI. You're not going to buy that amount of property and limit it to the smallest console footprint in the market. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any business sense. And people kept thinking that, like, no, this is going to turn the tide. And I was like, I don't think they're interested in turning the console tide. I think they're interested in turning the profitability tide. That's why they did this. Madeira, uh, or Madara, with 18 months of membership, the amount of waffling they did was diabolical. This was tantamount to LeBron taking his talents to Miami. Waste a press conference and a podcast. Get some consistent games first, please. Well... They they said there's going to be 10 major releases this year. Did you catch that? And everybody got really excited. Like yep, no, there's going to be some major 10 major releases this year. And then they listed Diablo DLC. So I people once again once again they heard that and they said, "Oh, there's going to be 10 games coming this year." No. No, no. They said 10 major releases and then they listed Diablo DLC. Like, come on. They're they're always doing that. They're always saying one thing to leave you with an impression when the reality is like, no, dude, you, they're not giving you 10 games this year. That's not <laughs> That's not it. Luno also predicted first party IP going to PlayStation. And it is. Like you know what I'm saying? Like what Alright, let, let, let me just... Let, let's just back the truck up a few feet here, okay? I want you to really appreciate the immaculate, just diabolical level of manipulation that they announced four first-party exclusives going to rival platforms and everybody's sighing relief. 
I want you to really think about that. Like, go back in time when everybody was out here early 2020, 2019. This is going to be a knockdown, drag out fight. This this console is going to run circles around that console. And now, fast forward to 2024, and they're like, these four first party exclusives are going to rival platforms, and people are relieved. It's 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 got to be, it's got to be one of the most impressive forms of public emotional manipulation that I have ever seen. It it should be studied. It should be studied. It is in. It's unbelievable. You actually have long time really hardcore fans of the brand basically celebrating that it's just these four. I can't imagine. I follow some pretty hardcore Sony fans. And if Sony did this, I feel like these people would be irritated. They would be livid. They'd be like, number one, why aren't you talking to us? Number two, why won't you tell us the games? Number three, why are you taking content over there? They wouldn't stand for it. Do you want to know why I know they wouldn't stand for it? Because I remember... When they started bringing PlayStation games to PC, it was met with the similar amount of scorn and irritation from certain aspects of the fan base when they did it with Xbox. Don't you remember? When Xbox started saying, hey, we're, uh, we're going to be putting games on PC, do you remember how people reacted? They reacted negatively. They didn't like the idea. I've listened to the quotes. I've listened to the reactions. It was like, we've paid into this console. We've paid into this ecosystem. And you're going to take the games over there? They've not supported this platform. They've not paid into this platform. They don't have to pay for Xbox Live. And you're going to let them have these games? People were angry. PlayStation fans did the same thing. When games started going to PC, they got angry. Why? Because it chips away at the idea that your box is special. And that only you are going to get this. So the fact that they got people to celebrate this is truly, it is truly remarkable. Like I have, I have some of the highest levels of respect for Xbox's marketing game. Like they achieve the seemingly impossible. Yes. This over here on Reforge Rundown, if you're watching the stream vertically, this is intended to show up in the shorts feed. So we can reach more people, people that kind of prefer to watch a vertical stream on mobile. We've got way more people, obviously, watching over on Reforge Gaming. That's the main channel hub where we live stream. Wired Rope with two spot super chat tips says, corporations aren't your friends. A re-up from Ghostface says, they're masters of sleight of hand. I literally checked for my watch and my wallet, and they were gone. If the podcast was originally going to be in March, does that mean that they would have had said nothing before the Nintendo Direct, which presumably is when at least two of the four will be announced? Now, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's the one theory that I can't land on. I can't make a decision. Because Jeff Grubb made it sound like they had something planned for late February. But then the Nintendo Direct, they shifted the Nintendo Direct to not land on the same day as the podcast. So let's imagine that the leaks don't happen. Okay? And the Nintendo Direct would have hit four days ago, and they presumably would have announced, like, let's say, Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment. 
wouldn't that create mass confusion? Right? Wouldn't that create a ton of wait, what? Like there was if you don't if you don't prime the pump, if you don't prepare the fan base, and Nintendo Direct Watch walks out and drops a release date for Hi-Fi Rush. Remember, in this hypothetical, there's not been any rumors. They're not forced to talk to the public at all. I feel like that would be mass confusion. People are like, what the frick is going on? And then Xbox does a podcast to explain it? I just, I don't know. I, I can't help but think that would have been that would have it's at some levels that would have been worse a two spot says uh, from forget me not says what's your opinion on Sony's 10 billion loss I need to look at the numbers I haven't had a chance to look at the I'm not a financial guy these financial reports from Sony keep breaking in the middle of the night I'm happy to look at it and, and report on it it looks to me as if operating costs didn't land where they needed to go and there was loss based on they had to readjust uh, pro- uh, projections for the console sales I'm seeing theories linked back to it's the big budgets of these games like we saw that with the Insomniac League they're like we gotta figure out other ways to make money on these titles because the budgets are getting too large Like, I don't have an opinion other than the few things that I saw I'm gonna research it but I, I think Similarly to the false reporting about latter stages, all those outlets misquoting Sony, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing similar fear-mongering from the same bad actors right now. I, I've I've not had a chance to look at it. Yeah, and that's the question. Was it Sony or was it PlayStation? I, there, you, you've got to look at that as well. I, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look at it. This was booked last week. We said... We don't have time for Lona to do a monologue on Friday. He can do it on Monday, and then he can talk about it uh, with 30 and still gaming. So I've not had a chance to look at it. If it's Sony corporate financials, I don't cover that. I don't cover Microsoft's corporate financials. If If it has to do with PlayStation, and if it has to do with the future of their games, and the comments about PC, and the comments about hardware... I'll look at it and do a show on it. I'm, I'm obviously planning on calling out the gaming press for being liars because they've spent a good portion of last week lying to the public about PlayStation. So, their day will come. <laughs> don't worry. I never jump on something the minute that it happens. I don't. I never have. I think we've done that once in the history of the show because it ruined my monologue it was like there was a brand new update from the CMA or something and I had to delay the show by like an hour I think that's the only time I've pivoted that quickly to something uh yo what's good Dylan yes we are still selling the coffee I appreciate you asking over there on rundown it is uh reforgeroast.com and we appreciate everybody ordering it. We've got the light roast and the dark roast. Coffee drinkers, you should give it a try. It's not a sponsor, by the way. This is something that we invest in. We have it roasted and bagged and then shipped to me and then I ship it to you. So it's, you know, you're supporting a small business. This isn't like some company I get a kickback from when you buy the Reforge Roast Coffee. The Elemental Hero, the Shadow Link, Dragon, Wolf King. What's also interesting is the article from The Verge interviewing Phil. It mentioned that Starfield and Indiana Jones having a chance on other systems uh, and other questions from The Verge. Well, 
Of course. Of course they wait and do that in an interview. Of course. They're not going to say that on the podcast. They gave everybody a false sense of assurance on the podcast. Like, look at the initial response. I had people telling me, hold the L, you're coping. I'm like, why? He made it crystal clear. It's just those first four games that aren't coming. How can you not see after all these years that when Phil Spencer says something like that, it's never about what he says. It's about what he doesn't say. He says, yeah, the four games coming, yeah, that's it's not Starfield or Indiana Jones. It's like, okay. He could have said, yeah, those four games coming, it's not Halo, it's not Gears of War. It's, um, you know, he could have listed a bunch of titles and it would have been extremely misleading. It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you saying that those titles aren't going to come? Or are you saying those titles just aren't included in the four? But he listed those two because those two were the focal point of so much of the fire around the rumors it was like wait a minute you guys have been telling us this whole time that you've got all these great games for us and you've been really selling us the idea of of exclusives and now you're taking some of the biggest titles and you're moving them somewhere else it's microsoft podcast the questions were pre-planned with answers ready there were multiple times i got the impression that they weren't just reading from a script, but it was like Sarah Bond, for example. She and Phil, for the first time ever, I felt like they were like way off their game. She was like saying, uh. She's like listing stuff. She's like, uh, Game Pass, uh, crossplay, uh. She, it was like, it was like, wait, what? Like, I speak extemporaneously. There's going to be times where I say, uh, or like. But you have a pre recorded sit down. And y'all didn't feel like you were in the driver's seat. And they got they made mistakes. How do you make a mistake and just leave it in there and just go with it? That tells me, again, this was thrown together. This was a reaction. The 34 million Game Pass subscribers will be able to enjoy Diablo 4? That's not true. The Game Pass core people are included in that number, and they're not getting Diablo 4 on Game Pass core. They were not even giving answers to the questions that were asked. Right, which I think is a really good observation, Dave. When someone asks you question A, and your answer is like mostly B with a dash of A, it gives it gives the impression that they have answered the question when they haven't. I think the quotes that I pulled out were incredibly telling. The, the quotes I pulled out, I re-listened to it this morning, and I kept stopping, and I was like, oh my gosh, did nobody hear that? I was like, oh, did, did nobody hear that? Like, I started recording it on my phone so that I had the quotes to come down. I added this to my monologue this morning. Phil had some pretty significant things to say. The other thing to consider is Sarah Bond doesn't say we're, go- we're going to deliver the largest technical leap. She says we're focused on delivering the largest technical leap. Like, okay, that digits are focused on. It doesn't mean we're gonna get it. It doesn't you don't even know what you're gonna deliver next gen. You're just that's what you're focused on. I want you to listen to this quote. He says the fundamental decision driver for any decision that we make, anything we talk about today, is the long term health of Xbox. So What's that mean? 
It means every fundamental decision driver, we're talking long-term health of Xbox. That's what we care about. Then, in that same segment, he says, I do have a fundamental belief that over the next 5 to 10 years, exclusive games, games that are exclusive to one piece of hardware, are going to be smaller and smaller part of the industry. So, his fundamental decision driver is the long-term health of Xbox, and he has a fundamental belief that exclusives are going away. That's not even going to be a thing in his future. Well, then go read the memo he sent internally. He said they're they're heading towards a future where every screen is an Xbox. That's all you need to know. It's like that's what they're going towards. This is not the brand you thought you were buying into four years ago. It's a completely different company with completely different aims. And a five bomb comes in from the final pineapple. Thank you so much. That takes us to 13. Yeah, PlayStation lost the money because their share value dropped, and now Nintendo's is dropping as well. It would it fell like eight, almost nine percent as the, the 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 information went out that the Switch Two is getting pushed to next year. Yeah, that hurt them as well. Yeah. What was the precursor to Xbox releasing games on PlayStation? It was PC day and date releases. Read the effing room, guys. Exactly. Like, people went and found the interviews and the statements that they made about bringing games to PC, and they talked about it in almost the exact same way. Almost the exact same verbiage. It, it's, it's, un, it's uncanny how similar it is. Forsaken over on Reforge Rundown says Xbox as a brand, not so much hardware. Precisely. And I think that's what's frustrating to people because you you can say all day long that well we're, we're you know ever anywhere when anybody plays everybody wins and we want more people to play in more places right. You can say that all these years, but you were still selling a console. And people were buying that console thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into something. And I think a lot of people are experiencing what I experienced when I went back and started re-watching the Series X marketing. I was like, that's, I didn't, I don't know what I bought, but that's not what I bought. I, I don't know what this, 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 hunk of plastic in my living room is but it's not Project Scarlet it's it's not the things that they convinced me to buy in with and I think there are people now saying the exact same thing they're like what did what are we doing here if you're not going to do exclusives if you're going to put the games on PlayStation alright hang on Our leadership operating costs since 2022 are a result of buying Bungie. Okay, since we have to armatize the costs over time against the operating net income. So once again, like I said, the gaming press is running with headlines about Sony and PlayStation. And yes, they said, we believe fiscal year 2023 will be the peak in costs related to acquisitions including Bungie. We assume these costs will decline around 20% in US dollars in fiscal year 2024. Oh, I can't wait to report 
on that. Just one more thing where they can't get all of the facts straight. Just remarkable. Just, just remarkable. (laughs) I told you. How how long ago was that? Was that five minutes? Ten minutes? I said, I don't know. I've just kind of grown accustomed to the gaming press being like, oh my gosh. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, no, they're not telling the truth. Like this, this isn't, this is a nothing burger. <laughs> How long did that take? Five minutes? Forget me now with a two spot. People are now saying Helldivers 2 is being carried by PC. Uh, there's no evidence of that. Player base numbers are split down the middle according to all of the analysis I've seen. All the speculation, all their public statements, player base numbers are split down the middle. So I, I don't know why anybody's saying that. It just it sounds like people are just making things up. Surprise, surprise, right? You got to make up something negative, right? You got to just you know whip something up out of, into thin air, like out of thin air, I should say. Microsoft put Game Pass on Steam, bet it would perform a lot better. Everyone hates the Windows Store. Well, I think the challenge with that is that Steam wouldn't want Game Pass. Steam wouldn't want Game Pass. Check the Circana numbers because they're suggesting more players on PC. By how much, though? Let's say it splits 60-40. Do you really think you can say that the PC is carrying the game? Let's just say it's 60-40. I don't even know the numbers. I saw numbers in the first week that were split down the middle. If that has changed over time, that's that it's carrying, the PC's carrying the game if they have more players. Here's what's funny about that. I don't care. Do you want to know why I can be consistent in not caring about that? Because I'm on record saying, game like that, put it over there on Xbox. Why? More players. I don't care where they come from. It doesn't bother me one bit. Why would I care about that? The health and the life of the game and the quality of the game has always mattered more to me. So I don't care if more players are playing on PC. I've been consistent on this since day one that the game came out. Put Helldivers in as many places as can get it because that's going to help the game live longer. So I appreciate the attempt to go off topic, though, and constantly bring up negative PlayStation stuff like trying to rattle me or something, you know. And, oh, he's talking Xbox again. We got to make sure and go in and super chat and bring up Helldivers and alleged things that people are saying. Hopefully you get enough clips today, you know. Hopefully you get enough clips for Twitter you know, to pass your to pass your day. Again, I appreciate the free advertisement. I don't I have a budget for advertisement. I don't need it. <laughs> My haters keep it real easy and real cheap. Arrowhead didn't confirm anything. The majority of the players on Helldivers are PC because the game runs much better on PC. I again I that's not today's topic and uh, who cares? I, I don't think that's that's only a celebration by people that are fighting some weird war that no one gives a crap about. Like, if more people are playing, that's great. I just, who cares? <laughs> it's the number one game on PlayStation right now. Who cares? I don't know why anybody cares about this. It's just such a weird thing to obsess over. Do you know what I did uh, with Helldivers 2 over the weekend? 
I didn't track the player numbers. I didn't check any of these reports you guys are talking about. I was too busy playing the game. Y- you know? <laughs> I was too busy playing Star Wars Lego with my son. I was too busy hanging out with people from my community and hanging out with my friends and my wife. Like, I wasn't checking, like, weird player report numbers. Like I said, I saw stuff about a week ago. It was like, ah, it looked like it was pretty split down the middle. If it's not anymore, cool. (laughs) It's also breaking records, isn't it? I guess that doesn't matter. If all games go multi-plat, it will be good. Xbox doing it first, and they kill their hardware by devaluing it. They will cease to make hardware, will force us to keep old hardware for our digital libraries. Now, Joel, I don't believe that. No. No, I think long-term, the way they keep you is... They're going to keep you by having your digital library essentially be always, how how will they phrase it? It's always in the cloud or it's always accessible or it's always with you. Some type of a buzzword like that. And that's why I think like if they deliver like a cloud hybrid in the future, that's the selling point. You can take your games with you anywhere you go. Do you have a PC? Do you have an iPad? Do you have a smart TV? Do you have our cloud hybrid? Do you have a handheld? Great. All your stuff is accessible. All your stuff comes with you. Now, Phil Spencer has made assurances that this year, xCloud, xCloud will start letting you play the games that you own. Because until they let you do that, that's not really a big selling point of like, yeah, you can bring your games with you everywhere you go. And it's like, well, not not, not right now you can't. That's been a promised feature to xCloud for a long time. The idea that you'll be able to access the games that you own. That's that's been a that's been a promise for a while. So Phil Spencer in an interview made assurances that that should be coming sometime this year. I would imagine that's how they're gonna keep you. I don't think they're going to like just completely detonate your library or your digital library continuity. I don't think that they would do that. A 20 spot from Val. Microsoft is turning Game Pass into Microsoft 365. Their entire business strategy at this point is cloud and AI. They want a unified offering and no hardware on site for users. It will not just affect consoles, but also PC. I don't know if it's that ambitious. And a 20 bomb comes in from Kratos and takes us to 33 members on the day. He says, listen, boys, let's get the member numbers back up and just drops a bomb on chat. Every 25, I give five. I'm going to give the five that I owe you guys right now. And I'll give you an update on the member count because we are every week setting our sights on getting the goal back up. We're setting more incremental goals so they're they're easier to attain we kept setting these really lofty goals and i don't think it was helping i think it was like almost discouraging so we're being a little bit more uh i i would call it like we're just being more fair it's like okay well member numbers are going to drop so you guys don't have to constantly ever present push it push it push it i don't think that that's a reasonable thing so 
I believe right now we're going to do the same thing we did last week. We're going to set our sights on 3,000. And if we hit 3,000 members this week, we will do a community game night this Friday with all members. Yeah, we're at 2630. So we need about 300 because mine are in the mix. So you only need about 300. Last week we needed like about the same 250 to 300. So we're in the same, we're in the same ballpark again. And then we'll do a community game night this week. Maybe I can rope in Hilly. We'll see if Hilly won't join me this Friday because my wife's going to be out of town. So, no madam. No madam this Friday night. By the way, if you guys have been enjoying the show, we've been streaming for about an hour. Make sure and hit the subscribe button and the like button. That will enable you to talk in my chat, but it will also enable you uh, to get notified anytime that I am streaming. If you're watching the vertical stream over on Rundown Channel, you can head over to Reforge Gaming. That's our main streaming hub. That's our main live channel. Uh, Come over there. We're gifting members. We do members content over there. And everybody take a second to double check that you have smashed the like button. YouTube's been a little funky with that. Make sure your like has saved. Give that video a thumbs up. It helps the video find more people. Steam doesn't need Game Pass to sell more games. I mean, Game Pass on Steam would be antithetical to Steam's aims. Like, Steam is not in the business of getting $10 from you every month, and then you just, you don't, you know, you're just constantly playing a smattering of free games. They want you buying games. They're in the business of selling games. Like, Steam didn't get to where it got by doing a subservice or getting you, like, to, to, to spend 10 bucks and then, oh, yeah, I'm never really going to buy a game anymore. I'm just going to continue to always have something new to play. I, I don't see Steam ever wanting... I, I, I don't understand why... And I also don't understand why Xbox would even push for that. That's counter to their revenue. They're going to make more money by getting people to buy a game on Steam. Like, they got people to buy Hi-Fi Rush on Steam. That's better than all of those people signing up for Game Pass. Now, you might say, well, but what if they stay on Game Pass? Again, sub-numbers and sub-models are plateauing. That's not the route that companies are taking anymore. It isn't. Foam Stars? I don't have anything to report on Foam Stars other than that PlayStation's pushing it and doing tournaments. I still think that game has potential in the Asian market. I think we were quick to write it off. It got bad scores. I think likely due to the monetization, people booting it up and seeing a $45 skin, you know probably didn't do all that well oh you're talking about friday night i don't know what the community game night will be with how hot hell divers 2 is it's a risk to say oh we'll play hell divers on friday night because that game's just is on a freaking rocket so it's probably going to continue to break records and they're going to continue to struggle to get server capacity up it wouldn't surprise me at all if they have another rough weekend ahead of them because the word of mouth is just rapidly spreading and it'll spread again and again and again and again they've i don't think they've I don't know if they've hit their peak yet. I don't know if they have. So, it's dead like Destruction All-Stars. It very well could be dead. I always said that, I said, don't write this game off. I said, I think this game has potential. I wasn't cheering for it for me, by the way. Like, I don't like those kinds of games. I just thought, I think the game has potential. Like, there's an audience for games like that. Like, look at the popularity of Splatoon. Like, I don't, I don't know. Again, they're doing tournaments, and I, you know, that means somebody's playing, and that means somebody's, you know, spending money. And I don't know if you would do that if the game was utterly failing. Like, would you really be putting up capital for tournaments? Tournaments aren't going to drive um, players. Usually you're doing tournaments because you're harnessing a moment, like people are playing and they're interested. Again, 
we'd have to see the participants in the tournaments and the winners in the tournaments and see where they're where they're like what's their region of the world because i i still think that game could have a have a uh, a player base that's not rooted in the west and if it fails it fails like i don't have any dog in the fight i always just thought people are quickly writing this game off i thought i thought it had potential and if i was wrong about that i was wrong about that you know not every game is gonna make it we all thought hell divers had potential i don't think any of us thought it had the potential to do what it's doing you know, that, that thing has surprised all of us. I think all of us thought, hey, that game looks pretty good. The graphics look pretty good. That game looks pretty fun, you know. And then it came out, and everyone's like, this is fantastic. You know, I kept saying, you need those knock-around games to play with your buddies, and uh, apparently that's in high demand right now. Shooter Forever with six months says, Valve has said they want Game Pass on Steam. They also have other subs in it. It's money from people that would otherwise wait for a sale or not buy it. Where has Valve communicated that they want Game Pass on Steam? Valve wants Game Pass on Steam. Valve President Gabe Newell has said he's open to working with Microsoft to get Game Pass on Steam while also confirming that the company isn't currently interested in a competing service. So that was December of 2022. It seems like in 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 2022 they expressed that they were open to it. They're rather than wanting them on Steam because Steam is far bigger. Like everybody that I'm looking at reporting on this is saying there it's a possibility we're open to it. So Valve saying they want Game Pass on Steam. I'm not seeing evidence of that being uttered by them. This was, again, this was in 2022. So it's been two years. Now, maybe there's been interviews since then to indicate that they do want it. But I'm seeing, again, two years ago, they're more than happy. They're open to it. I don't know. I That, to me, would have to be the... the, the the price point on that, I just it seems so counterproductive to say we're getting games to come to Steam and sell. I, <laughs> and then putting Game Pass on there. I don't know. It's been two years. I, if they wanted it on there, I would imagine that you know Microsoft would have... Now, maybe Microsoft doesn't want to. I don't know. Maybe Microsoft wants to have their own siloed thing on PC and they feel like that muddies the waters. I don't know. Krovon says they said nothing that people wanted to hear. Pretty much. Pretty much. I fundamentally feel like the Xbox podcast, they said nothing. And I argued that there were a couple moments where they they let you know what's coming. It's very, very subtle, right? It's very, very subtle what they said. And those comments, I think, are... They get footing and they get traction when you look at the interview with The Verge and when you look at the internal memo, it's like, oh, this is what they're, this is what Microsoft, this is what Microsoft has planned. Straight up paid money to lie is crazy. I. Steam doesn't need Game Pass since you can get a game and refund it within two hours if you don't like it. Also, most Steam users hate Microsoft games because they force you to have a Microsoft account linked to play co-op games. 
Steam is saying they're open to it because they don't have a competition opinion. Oh, a competitive option in the subservice. Even still, I, I mean, I guess that's true, but you also have to consider something. Steam said that before the Activision Blizzard deal closed. Don't you think they're going to think a little bit differently about it? If, if I'm Steam and I'm, you know, and I'm getting like, what's the number of reviews even on the latest Call of Duty, right? Even the latest Call of Duty. Because that's a new development, right? They're putting Call of Duty in Steam. Oh, they have it under one umbrella. You know, 300,000 reviews. Okay. Now that they have Activision Blizzard, I would think Steam's opinion might be different. I'm not saying that it's different. I'm just saying they might have a different opinion now and be like, now wait, hang on a minute. <laughs> you, We said that before you owned Activision Blizzard. And if you want to bring Game Pass to Steam and you want to put Call of Duty on Game Pass, hold a, hold a, wait a minute there. That, that, that's a lot of annual revenue for us. We sell a lot of copies of that game. You know, we got 300,000 reviews. That's usually a fraction of the people that have purchased it. So Microsoft would have to really sweeten that deal because like, they have some massive pieces of property that could suddenly be inside of Steam that people don't have to buy. They just have to buy Game Pass. And when they buy Game Pass, Steam gets 30% of a $10 purchase instead of the full price of a new game like Call of Duty. Yo, Zinthos gifts a member and it goes to Jake. Thank you for taking care of a man, Jake. Taking us to 34 on the day. Not really. Lethal Company outsold Call of Duty. That doesn't matter. They don't look at it that way. Another gifted from Zinthos takes us to 35 out of 50. You're imagine companies don't do that. Companies don't say, well, we don't care if we lose money on Call of Duty. We made tons of money on Lethal Company. No. Not only that, you're saying it outsold it. Yeah, at what price point? Call of Duty is 50 bucks. What's what's Lethal Company is ten dollars. I, I, I like I rest my case. <laughs> it's come on. Oh, yeah, Lethal Company sold more copies, but at ten dollars, so they're making a smaller percentage on that than they are every time somebody buys Call of Duty at fifty or sixty bucks. You know, it's like in 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 my personal opinion, Steam is going to I again I, I could be wrong about this. They're going to think differently about the fact that if you want to bring Game Pass to Steam now, you you now own Activision Blizzard. And that completely changes the equation because then you can bring games like Call of Duty and the future Elder Scrolls, or, or the future Fallout, you could bring to Game Pass. We, we want to sell those games, dude. If, if you suddenly had the whole Steam user base able to just buy Game Pass to try out Fallout 5, the new Elder Scrolls, the new Call of Duty, I have to think that Steam would look at that a little bit differently. Yo, what's good, Feed? I see you in the chat. I mean, again... 
They're open to it, but that was two years ago. We're in a very different world now. Microsoft Xbox isn't the same Xbox it was two years ago. They they sit in a very, very strong position to say, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got Call of Duty, we've got Diablo, we've got all these games. EA Play now available on Steam. Right, but I would say that the difference there is, Wheezy, primarily the the sporting audience, the people who buy like the big money makers in the EA games. Where are they playing? When you have franchises like Fallout and the Elder Scrolls with their history on PC, do you suddenly want those games to be in 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 Game Pass on Steam? I just feel like that's very different. I feel like everything changes once Xbox suddenly has ABK. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You, you, you've got some really, really big pieces of property. Now, before Activision Blizzard, sure. What are they going to bring to, what are they going to bring to Steam, right? Games like Halo and Forza. Okay, well, yeah, that's fine. You can bring Game Pass, you can bring Game Pass over here. I just wonder if that would be a bridge that would burn, though, because when you have indie titles hitting Game Pass, some of those indie titles have done exceptionally well on Steam. Um, what was it called? Oh, shoot. What's it called? The one I always cite that sold like 100,000 copies in the first week. Was it Have a Nice Death, or am I I'm confusing my games? There was some indie title that sold like 100,000 copies its first week on Steam. I just wonder if you disrupt that over time you could disrupt that ecosystem if you have something like Game Pass living on Steam. Because Game Pass, here's another problem with your your referencing EA Play Wheezy. Game Pass isn't just like EA has their games, that's it. Game Pass has a constant rotation of third-party games, indie titles. So it would have to be a very specific version of Game Pass to come to Steam. Because if I'm Steam, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want indie titles and stuff suddenly showing up on Steam. Yeah, it was Death's Door. Thank you. I could not remember it. Yeah, Death's Door sold a hundred thousand copies in its first week, and then later it went to other platforms. That game has been uh, massively successful. So, again, Game Pass isn't the same as Ubisoft Plus or EA Play because it includes third-party games. It includes games that Microsoft doesn't own. It includes indie titles. I feel like that would be disruptive because you'd have all these indie titles be like, well, wait, 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 wait. We brokered a deal with Game Pass to be on Game Pass. We were not anticipating Game Pass being on Steam. There's probably a lot of red tape there. Imagine you're launching your game on Steam, Xbox, and PlayStation, and you brokered a deal to be on Game Pass. And after that contract is signed... Suddenly, Game Pass comes to Steam. Now, the developer would say, "Wait, wait a minute! That we that when we signed that contract, this was not our impression. You're going to potentially hurt our total sales on Steam." PC Game Pass also does have a different catalog than console. Things would be pretty different. I think they'd have to come up with a completely different catalog for Steam Wii's because of everything I just said. It couldn't include any third party. Without going back and renegotiating all those deals with all those pla- all those companies, because they'd be like, we weren't planning on Game Pass showing up on Steam and having our game be there. We were planning on our game selling pretty well on Steam. 
Yo, what's good, the Turk? Power World's 12 million copies sold on Steam would have netted them a fraction of the revenue if Game Pass was there. <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe. It would have to be, my concern is long-term what it would do. You would see the ramifications in like five years. Game Pass would slowly grow because it's 10 bucks, and then Steam would be like, maybe we shouldn't have done this because, again, it's not just bringing their titles. It's also bringing, it's also bringing your your third party titles and your indie titles. Think you know things of that nature. And I think that is where you would potentially get pushback, and they would say, "Wait, that, that's that's not that's not conducive to what we want to do." You'd have to strip it down to be a very sh- small catalog, like Game Pass Core, maybe. You know, maybe Game Pass Core, because it's like, what, like 25 games? And then maybe mm, Xbox could see that as a way of getting more people exposed to Game Pass. I, I just don't know. I got news for you. I don't think Microsoft is in the business of spending big money t- for third-party uh, Game Pass exposure anymore. They don't need to. Uh, Devolver Digital basically confirmed that the offers that were coming from Game Pass as well as PlayStation Plus, they were getting smaller and smaller. Why? If the sub-services are plateauing, they're going to offer you less money to bring your game to their to their sub-model because they're not making as much money. They're not getting as many new people signing up. So because of that, they're going to start going out and offering less to these third-party devs, these less, less, less to these indie titles. So... Xbox is probably looking at Steam and saying we're not really interested in doing that because you're going to expect to be handsomely compensated for Game Pass coming to Steam and we're just not interested in doing that anymore. Like, we don't need to. Like, we own so much property that we're going to pad Game Pass with our stuff, whether it's Diablo or Call of Duty. We don't really need to go and broker some deal with Steam. We just need to sell games over there. I'm applying the same principle that I believe Xbox will use when they approach PlayStation. They're going to approach PlayStation and Nintendo and Steam all with the same mindset. It isn't worth compensating this platform to put Game Pass over here. It just makes more sense to just sell games over here. King Sovereign with a $10 Super Chat. Gabe was at least vocally supportive of the ABK deal. I imagine Microsoft would have to pay Valve I have the annual check for them to offset the potential sale loss. And a single gift that comes in from Joker Quinn. Zinthos tried to set up a 5-10 bomb slam and uh, nobody took the bait. So Joker Quinn's going to poke the line. And it goes to Turk. Oh, that's good to see. Good to see you, Turk. Good to see you getting your badge back. But yeah, I go, I'm going with what King Sovereign is saying. Like, Microsoft might not even be in the business of compensating Steam to put Game Pass on Steam because they're like, that's not really our future plans. What? That one year, uh, 2022, when they speculated the cost and the price that they would need to bring to the table to get somebody to put their game on Game Pass, it was astronomical. It was astronomical. I don't think they're doing that as much anymore. That's you, You're going to see that fewer, fewer and far between now. They're going to use their own property for Game Pass. They'll probably use smaller games because the smaller studios will be more apt 
to receive smaller offerings. Bigger bigger multi-plats are probably going to say no. You're not offering us enough. That's if even Microsoft offers it to them. Game Pass uh, PC uh, plus P- Game Pass PC doesn't have the modding, which is a big deal. Starfield on PC Game Pass is worse than the Steam version with how the modding support is on PC Game Pass. I don't, I don't even see, but I just don't see them saying that that's a that's a, that's a good enough reason to try to put Game Pass on Steam, the modding community. I don't, I don't see that as being um, compelling enough. That just seems really expensive. Yo, my man Skatinator gifts a member and takes us to 37. Thank you so, so much. Good to see you, Skatinator. I think we're seeing all companies... Well, I don't know about Nintendo. I don't know what they're doing by bumping the Nintendo Switch to first quarter of 2025 at the earliest. But what in the world does that even mean? Like, what happened? But I feel like both Microsoft and Sony are pivoting in different ways. Sony's saying we're gonna we're gonna look at PC more. I don't. I think people have misinterpreted and they're like, "It's going day and date." Yeah, I think in six years they'll be doing day and date, not in the immediate future. I don't think they have the infrastructure set up right now to start doing parallel development. I also don't think they have business interest in doing that. Xbox similarly pivoting and saying. Well, we lost a hardware fight, so what's the next fight we can win? What's a f- not not the next fight we can win? We lost a hardware fight. What's a fight we can win? And the fight they can win is a spending fight. We're going to spend a ton of money. We're going to shore up a ton of property, and then we're going to put it everywhere. Minecraft and Call of Duty almost like I think it like showed them the way. It's like you bought Minecraft. Minecraft is everywhere. Look at these numbers. Matt Booty said that in the podcast. He said, we've reached a point where games are, a single game can be larger than an entire platform. And a lot of people, I saw some analysts saying, that got glossed over. Nobody really picked up on what he was saying. I go back to the Famitsu interview because Phil Spencer basically said he started thinking about this differently when he looked at Minecraft. And Matt Booty was essentially saying that the game has changed. There are games that are larger. A single game is larger than any platform. Fortnite is becoming a platform in and of itself. That's why Disney's throwing in with them. Lego's throwing in with them. Everybody wants to be a part of that. That's It's like its own platform. Well, if you crunch those numbers and you have the marketing spend and the marketing power to say, well, we're going to make a really great game like Elder Scrolls 6. That game's coming out in like five or six years. Well, by the time that rolls, that timeline rolls around, you're not even going to second guess it. You're going to be like, oh yeah, that game's going to be basically everywhere. By the time Blade comes out, by the time Elder Scroll, the next Elder Scrolls comes out, I don't think anybody's even going to second guess it. It's just going to be like, yeah, no, those titles are going to be everywhere. Phil Spencer even said, over the next five to ten years, we're going to see less and less exclusives. That's a f- foundational belief that he has. He said that after he said 
the foundational driver of their decisions is the health, the long-term health of Xbox. Those two things are interlocking. The long-term health of Xbox is linked to the idea that less and less exclusives going forward. He told you the same thing Satya said. He said the same thing. It's He just used different, like, he just moved the sentence pieces around. McD09 with 25 months and a VIP says, smash the like button. Do it. Do it. And we are currently sitting at just shy of 2,700 members. 2,633. We might have to adjust that this week if I feel like 3,000 is just too far out of reach. We have said, hey, let's get back to 3,000. We'll do a big community game night this Friday night and we will let you know what that game is. But uh, for now, let's just set our sights on that. I think we've probably calmed down, like we've hit a hit a floor, so that we can we can go back up. That's usually what happens is we go through a weekend and everything kind of settles down. <clears throat> if in ten years Call of Duty is still worth playing, Sony might try and sign a deal, but don't hold your breath. Drive. This has been asked. Why is it so bad to bring games to all platforms? So, I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying it's a huge change. Whether or not you think it is bad is dependent upon your view as a consumer. If you have every platform like me, it's kind of like a, I don't really care, I just want the games to be good. I've consistently said, the two things I care about most is game quality and and what the consumer gets, like the consumer's experience. This is why I'm in support of a game like Helldivers going into more places. Why? It's better for the game's quality and health, again, if they can get it to run properly wherever it lands, and it's better for the players. Oh, hey, you want to play Helldivers? Sweet. Where are you playing? Doesn't matter. You just give me your friend code, right? So I'm in support of that because that's my paradigm. No matter, you know, you obviously can think what you want about me, but that's what I have been saying for years is that I go where the quality is. And that's been a really easy decision the last three years. To pretend that the last three years it hasn't been heavily slanted on one side of the proverbial console aisle. It's been heavily slanted. That's not my fault. I wasn't going to hold the line and just sit around and wait for things to get better. I just started playing games on another platform and started speaking my mind and saying, I don't know what y'all are doing over there, but I'm not getting any of the things that I was promised. So that's why some people come at this from the perspective of this is bad because they have been holding the line for four years thinking this is it this is xbox's time we now know an activision this is going to be it and what's what's the big kickoff to 2024 what's the big celebratory yeah man it's our time we got activision blizzard and you're gonna start putting first party titles on other platforms what Like, that's why people are mad. It's like... (laughs) I'll tell you what it's like. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you wait a really, really, really long time for your food because the place is just overrun? And when it finally shows up, it's cold. And it's bad. It makes it worse. 
Does it not? If you go in and you wait for five minutes, you're going to be like, yo, this is cold. I, I'm, I'm leaving or, you know, take it back. Shiny red flag with 12 months. Welcome back. One year today. Thank you, dude. So that's why people are angry because they felt like, yo, we've been sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is your kickoff to 2024. You're going to put four games on other platforms and you're not going to stop there. You're going to do more and you make a bunch of vague promises about day and date on Game Pass and but you're also saying that you're not going to just these four, you know, no promises, but then you say that the future and the health of Xbox is one where there's less exclusives and the future of Xbox is one where every screen is an Xbox and you tell The Verge that you're open to Starfield and Indiana Jones going to other platforms and 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 you put Diablo on Game Pass. Like If you were holding the line all this time, I can't see coming away from that podcast and being like, yo, we're in the winning position now. Things have really turned the corner for us. You just got a bunch of generic PR stuff they say all the time about play anywhere, when anybody plays, we all win. It was nothing other than confirming four games are going to other platforms and they won't tell you the name of the games, which is weird. So you got everybody together to be like, yep, the rumors are true, but we're going to maybe do more, maybe not. And uh, that was it. That was essentially it. That was the podcast. That's that's the too long didn't read. Admit you were wrong and move on. I went back and I listened to my video about Starfield coming to PS5. And it's really interesting that folks like you really seem to struggle with listening comprehension. Because all I said in that video was, Sources told me this in January... And now more sources are saying it's going to happen. And then Phil Spencer sits down with Tom Warren from The Verge and says, yeah, we're open to it. Like, we're not going to close that door. Don't you think it's interesting? Don't, Don't you think it's interesting that they tell the public in a podcast they try to manipulate you and they're like yeah the first four games coming it's not going to be Starfield or Indiana Jones so try to trick you into thinking like oh those ones aren't going do you really think they're not going do you really think that this was Phil's decision this was Microsoft's decision and if you think Microsoft's going to tell shareholders and investors that they're taking first party property into high margin markets onto platforms that were previously considered competitors and you think they're just going to do four smaller older titles (laughs) you're just going to make it worse when it finally happens like you can't make assurances to shareholders and would be investors and then walk that back that'll land you in legal trouble Pure delusion. I think delusion is watching that podcast and feeling like they made assurances and outlined the future of the brand. I think that's delusional. Like I, I don't think that the way they set up that podcast was done in a way to 
really cast this clear future vision of like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What are you guys doing with the property? It was extremely vague and non-specific. And then the only time they get specific, and this is very telling, the only time they get specific is when they send an internal memo to employees and when they do an interview with The Verge. Now, I said this in the show open. The interview with The Verge wasn't for us. It was for shareholders and would-be investors because that's what they're going to read. That's what they're going to look at. They're, They're going to look at internal memos and interviews and say yeah they're they're committed to this this is just the beginning this is the test run they told us that they're going to start putting property in other places phil spencer just did an interview phil spencer just sent an internal memo that's their commitment they're committed to a future where every screen is an xbox and then the shareholders and the would-be investors they're happy with that they don't give a frick about a 22-minute podcast that was just slammed full of PR empty corpo speak. They don't care about that. Investors aren't watching. Do you honestly feel like an investor or a shareholder is like watching that podcast like, I wonder what they're going to say. That's not how they get their information. The channels of information for folks like that is either internal memos, emails, or reading actual like press interviews. That's what they're going to be looking at. So the interviews with The Verge and the internal memos, those were not intended for us. The ma- How much do you think, in the grand scheme of things, the gaming public, if you broke it down percentage-wise, how many of them got their information from the podcast on YouTube versus the interview with The Verge? What, what percentage? I would think a vast majority. 80% of the invested Xbox community that's like wanting to know what's going on, the vast majority watched that podcast and were like, okay, I feel pretty good. It's only four. It's not Starfield and Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm going to get Diablo on Game Pass. They're still going to put games day and date on Game Pass. Okay, cool. It, it was just a lot of hand waving. So then they're not going to go read a Verge interview. How many consumers do you think watch that podcast and were like, well, I better go make sure, I better go check to see if there was interviews or internal memos sent. No, they were like, okay, that's good enough for me. Street chatted with a $5 super chat tip. Why do we always, yeah, have these type of convos about Phil and Xbox? PlayStation and Nintendo seem to have never needed to be this vocal. Well, and I said that. I said, listen, if PlayStation would have come out and been like, we know you've heard the rumors. Um, There are four games exclusives going to other platforms. We're not going to tell you. Uh, We're not going to make any promises beyond that. And uh, it's it's not God of War and Horizon. The first four games. You know what I said? I'd have said the same thing. I'd be like, oh, you're playing a freaking game with me. You're making it sound like those games aren't going. Because you don't want to say it. That's that's what it feels like to me. I'm guessing that they hoped people didn't see the interview where Phil basically walked it back. Right, like, if Nintendo or PlayStation did a thing like this, we'd be like, what is going on? What? In what, like, really think about this. Can you find another instance of a company where... Rumors ran rampant for weeks. 
and they come out and have to do a podcast and it's just like they don't really say anything they don't really give any specifics who else is do- who's doing this I've been covering and and, and watching E3 and, and, and been in the games industry now as a YouTuber for almost nine years I don't think I've ever seen anything like this ever <laughs> never what's going on if another company did this, it'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's something, it's something weird going on here, bro. Remember when Phil Spencer said at one time, all Xbox exclusives won't go to PC, and then they did. If you go and watch those interviews, Buffalo Wing Dave, he talks the exact same way about more games in more places, more players. Yeah, it's it's the same song and dance. What happened to your multiple sources saying Starfield was coming to PS5? We apologize for being wrong. My sources said it, and I reported that they said it. Why would I apologize for that? That doesn't make any sense. Like, you apologize for wrongdoing. Xbox Era reported the exact same thing. They have sources at these companies that said, this is happening. I spoke to somebody who had contacts at Bethesda and they were told this is very likely happening. Why would people apologize for that? It clearly was a conversation. It clearly was something they either planned, considered, or walked back. One of the three. Why would you apologize for reporting that? That doesn't make any sense. You guys are all in your emotions about it. You need to apologize. Apologize for what? run a retraction you only run a retraction when you reported something that was proven false has this been proven false you understand how this works right you would need phil spencer or somebody to come out and say we never discussed it we never planned to do it and it's never coming that would require retractions all phil said was these four not indiana jones and not Starfield. Nobody ever claimed that the first four or the first games would be Starfield or Indiana Jones. What has always been claimed is that the first games to come would be Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves. That seemingly, that order got shifted around, and we updated people on that. I said, well, the timeline seems to have changed. It's now going to be Hi-Fi and Pentiment and, St- and Sea of Thieves is like later this year. Bill said not Starfield. He said not Starfield in the first four. He then did an interview with The Verge and said that it could still happen. They're not closing that door. As I've always said, if you go look at the original marketing language of Starfield, they are leaving the door open. From the beginning of my coverage on this, I have been incredibly careful and said, listen, if you go look at the marketing for Starfield, they're leaving the door open. They use timed, exclusive language they used timed exclusive language it was the same language they used with Ghostwire Tokyo and the marketing team for Ghostwire Tokyo was the same marketing team for Starfield it's the same company and I said back then I was like they're leaving the door open and then we hear from sources they're doing it more people hear from sources they're doing it and all Phil walks out and says well we're doing four but it's not those those ones aren't included in the four you're letting them play you like a fiddle. Like, you're just letting them play you like a fiddle. You're just going to make it worse when it actually happens. <laughs> like, 
why let them convince you at this point? Even some of the biggest Xbox personalities are like, I don't buy any of this. It's PR and Starfield is likely still going to come over. Even some of the biggest guys that are like, and they got contacts. They're like, no, this is still happening. Tom Warren is one of the people that reported on this and he was going at, he was going at people on Twitter. He's like bookmark your tweet buddy, more games are coming. More games are coming. Hate to admit to be wrong. No, I admit to being wrong all the time. You can't be wrong in an instance like this. That your lack of ability to understand the English language is your own fault. That's not my responsibility to help you understand basic language. Like I told people what sources had said that we had heard. Then I reported what Xbox era and other people had reported that they had heard. And nothing that came out of Phil Spencer's mouth in the last 72 hours is a direct repudiation of any of it. The fact that you think that is sad. You're being manipulated. The fact that you think that podcast was in any way a refutation of what sources have said, I think is sad. You're probably being manipulated by YouTubers as well. I guarantee you I ended up in hate videos. I guarantee you I ended up in salt videos. I guarantee you there are people out there running this like a victory lap. Why? Because it's a great way to make money. And they're just looping you up into that cyclone of dishonesty and misinformation. I never made assertions. I always said, this is what we heard. This is what people are claiming. And then I theorized, I did theorize, I said, I could see them using the updates every six weeks as a runway to a 2.0 moment. They drop the DLC. Around the time they drop the DLC, it's going to be a completely different game. And then that's the version of the game that you would port over. That was just theorizing. And then, funny enough, Xbox Air reported that the game wouldn't be coming over until after the DLC launches, so that timeline could still come to fruition. Xbox Air didn't budge in their, in their reporting either. Even when Nate, when Nate walked back his claims and said he was hearing new information, even when he walked back his claim, Xbox Air was like, nope, we're not walking back our claims. That is what we heard. Now, as I said at the time, and people really have a struggle with this. They really, really struggle with this aspect. When you hear from sources and you report on what the sources say, if those, if those sources are incorrect, you didn't tell a lie. Do you know what the definition of a lie is? Like to willfully deceive. Like if I walked out into the public and I was like, Donkey Kong Country is coming to PlayStation and I just like made it up. That's a lie. Telling you, we have heard from sources. Telling you, these other outlets like Xbox Era have heard from sources. That can't be a lie. That's not willful deceit. That's just telling you what people are saying. The struggle to understand that, I think, is why you're so easily manipulated. Your ability to be discerning 
and use just basic deductive reasoning, you're more interested in wailing on me because for whatever reason, this has you in your feelings and you're taking it personal. So wailing on me and making fun of me and saying I should make an apology video, (laughs) I, I, I got news for you. I don't really make apologies all that often anymore. I don't really make a habit out of it, especially not apologizing to people who I don't respect and who are dishonest. I don't waste my time doing that because I don't really care what their opinion of me is. You know, I would just assume go downtown to the local zoo and, you know, ask the water buffalo what he thinks about me. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. We reported what we heard. We reported what others had heard. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Everybody did that, by the way. Are you running to every press outlet? Are you running to every single person that made a video about it and demanding an apology? Because everybody did the same thing. Everybody did the same thing. They're like, well, Xbox era saying it. This guy's saying it. This outlet saying it. This out. Everybody's saying it. What are you going to do at that time? No, we're not going to cover that. One of the biggest gaming rumors in history, and we're not going to cover it. That would be silly. There were definitely internal discussions and plans. Xbox pivoted for now. Thank you, Solaire. Like, the logical thinking person would say, this was discussed. There was a tentative plan, a tentative outline. Something was hashed about that led to this leak. And just because they walk out and say, no, it's these four games, we're not making any promises beyond that. Oh, for Pete's sake. That's all you need to think that you're owed an apology? That's pathetic. That's pathetic. I'm sorry. A five spot from True SSJ Havoc. Even in the video itself uh, that's referencing, Lono said, Starfield is coming after the DLC in December. Nobody said this year. He said, God, keep up, bro. Right. And again, I was quoting what Xbox era and Nate had said. I'm merely telling you what people said. That is a legitimate way of reporting what has transpired. Don't you think it's interesting that you're more worried about me telling you what other people report at the time? Are you out here having a go at IGN and the gamer and all these press outlets that are misquoting Sony and lying about the and, and lying about the PlayStation being in its latter stages? Are you are you concerned about that? Because you should be. Ten months from Stonespire, the amount of denial on this issue is astounding, especially after Phil walked back on the verge. Two months till a golden badge. Keep it up. Y'all appreciate that. And see Lou with ten months. Thank you so much. Like, it's remarkable to me that people are more concerned about the fact that, like, hey, you reported on rumors, and Phil kind of not really denied the rumors, but not at all, and so you should apologize, but you don't care about the fact that the gaming press is just flat out lying for going on, like, what, like a week now? Doesn't that matter to you? Do you not care about that? Like, you seem very concerned about accuracy and truth. Are you calling those outlets out? Just had a conversation where someone said, this doesn't signal Xbox is changing how they decide to do multiplats. Yeah, I don't get that at all. 
Like, for Phil to say this is not a change, but then to describe a significant change, it's just, it's bewildering that people don't look at that and just call that what it is. It's like, dude, that's corpo doublespeak. What are you even saying? This is not a fundamental change. It's just quite literally something we've never done before. You're, you're talking out of both sides of your head. That doesn't even make any sense. This is not a change. We're just getting ready to do something that we've never done before. And if it goes well, we're going to keep doing it. That's a, that's a change. That's a huge change. Imagine Nintendo doing that. This really isn't a change. But we're going to put four games on PC. And if it goes well, we might do more. That's an insult to your intelligence to say that. You, what do you mean this isn't a change? This is a huge change. You're insulting my intelligence. You think I'm too stupid to pay attention, to hear what you're doing, to see what you're saying? Come on. Quit letting them play you like a fiddle. It's embarrassing. This is not fried chicken. Hand you fried chicken. Zubair says, it's not a change. We just aren't doing the same thing anymore. Learn English, pony. We're not changing anything, just everything. Right, Kaiser? I've never seen any video game company have double standards like this. What do you mean, Pierre? Yo, what's good, Marcus? Father passed away a few weeks ago. I'm digging through the old house. Found my original Atari 2600 in a box. Some serious memories there. Man, I'm sorry that you lost your dad, dude. That'd be rough if I was going through that and found the Coleco. Because that was like our first home gaming experience, man. A lot of memories there, too. A lot of memories there. If you guys are watching the vertical mobile version of this stream over on Reforge Rundown, head over to Reforge Gaming. We're going to be shifting gears here in a teeny bit. So I'm going to go ahead and the, the mobile stream only. So if you're watching right now on Reforge Gaming and you can see the whole studio and the coffee bag and stuff, this then you don't need to do anything. We're going we're going to keep on streaming and we're going to keep on discussing this. And then we are going to do a uh, sort of review interview about uh, Skull and Bones because that game is uh, well it's something <laughs> it's it's something it's something and we're going to be doing that in a moment here so don't go anywhere make sure and smash that like button get us to 400 likes I appreciate it our research is exactly what we reported what is wrong with your ability to understand basic English oh is this guy still going on about this it still doesn't excuse you using your own research and conclusions instead of running with rumors. I'm talking about him running with something that wasn't true. Right now, you can't say it isn't true. You're claiming that something has been falsified. Illuminati, help me out here. I want you to tell me what has been falsified. Do it. Trot it out. Use evidence. Use logic and reason to tell me what that we said has been falsified. Go for it. The stage is yours. We're all going to sit here and wait with bated breath. You've got time. I don't have to go to my next show for a little bit. You've got some time. I want you to outline with evidence and logic what we have said that's been falsified. 
do it. Keep in mind, all we ever said was, we heard from sources, and here are other avenues and outlets that have also heard from sources. That's all we have ever claimed. How is that falsified right now? Do it. Falsify our former coverage. Let's see if you have the ability to do that. The reason I'm asking this question is I know you can't falsify it. You can't falsify it. The way we reported on it was very intentional and very careful because there was always the risk of like, eh, this could be the bad game of internet telephone. You know? This could all be a bad game of lies and rumors and and some type of experiment with the public, right? There's always the opportunity for this to all be smoke and mirrors. So we reported on it in a way that shielded us from that it was like we're literally just telling you what we've heard we're literally just telling you what other outlets have said instead of waiting for everything to come out you fell in line with the rest of the sheep you basically didn't wait for everything to come to fruition you understand that everything still hasn't come to fruition yet so I shouldn't have covered the podcast either because they didn't say anything they've not given you a roadmap or a timeline for what this looks like so I guess we shouldn't have reported on that either right we don't know what's going to happen with Gears of War. We don't know what's going to happen with Sea of Thieves, Hi-Fi Rush, Pentiment, Grounded, uh, Halo. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with any of these titles. So we shouldn't cover it at all then, right? We shouldn't have covered the podcast because the podcast didn't say anything to bring this to fruition. They didn't. They just confirmed, well, yeah, we're doing four, but we're not going to tell you the four. So then we shouldn't have reported on that either. It's interesting that you're holding me to a standard. Are you holding the entire game gaming press to that? Are you? Are you holding every YouTuber, every gaming outlet? Let me ask you something. What about the hardcore Xbox podcast and YouTubers that covered it? What about them? They had their meltdowns in Twitter spaces, their YouTube channels and their podcasts where they almost cried. Are you calling them to account too? Are you asking for apologies from them? Everybody reported on this, but just me, I I somehow broke a rule. Why report on things that you don't know the entire story about? Because you understand that reporting on something is the nature of it is linear. It go it moves in a direction. As things develop and come out, you talk about it. So when there's a press release on a new game, we shouldn't report on it because we don't know everything, right? We've not seen gameplay. We have no release dates, nothing. You blasted this. You blasted Tim Dog, Tom Warren, and the list goes on. Okay, well, Illuminati. If you have, in fact, consistently blasted anybody for reporting on this, I give you props for being consistent, but you receive no props for your ignorance. You get you get props for being consistent. If you're going after everybody and saying, you shouldn't have reported on this, okay, you're being consistent. But I can't give you any props for being ignorant about how the press and reporting works. Because frankly, I'm using the word ignorant very intentionally. You don't know what you're talking about. Every developing story is reported on in the immediacy, in the, in the interim, and in the follow-up. Nobody waits to be like, we can't give you all the details right now about this building that fell down, so you're going to have to wait 72 hours. They don't do that. They go to the scene, they report on it as it develops. 
when insiders, when whistleblowers, when leakers put stuff out there, everybody reports on it right then. And then as it develops, more information comes out, and then you get that more information. So your ignorance about how reporting and basic journalism works, which I'm not even a journalist, but basic reporting and journalism, you just, again, you don't know what you're talking about. So I appreciate the fact that you're consistent, and you're like, well, I blasted everybody. Okay, uh, good for you. But you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what Zubair is saying is I think is very important. You're not establishing a standard for the news and reporting. You're establishing a standard for an encyclopedia, like a finished document of like, here's everything we know about this. Like that, you're, you're, you're describing a standard that just doesn't apply to basic reporting. And listen, if anybody out there is holding me to that standard, they are just as ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. You, you shouldn't trust people that are more focused on attacking than just giving the basic information. Because there's an agenda there. Like they're more interesting in just they're more interested in you know profiting off of the, 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 the clicks and the emotion than anything else. Why do you keep insulting your viewers? That isn't very nice. Telling somebody that they don't know what they're talking about is not insulting them. Like, I know if you're new to the internet, that might seem kind of scary and, like, unsettling, but I'm not insulting anybody. I said, I give you props for being consistent, but I can't give you props for being ignorant. That's not an insult. An insult would be name-calling, like, calling them, you know, some, like, pejorative or whatever. You know, I've not risen to the level of insult. I just, I just broke down what they said, and it's like, I, nobody holds to that standard on reporting anywhere. I get it. I also report on games, but I wanted to wait until we had more answers instead of running on emotions. I mean, I didn't run on emotions. I ran on what people said. And if you're holding yourself to a standard of waiting until everything comes out, well, that's great for you, but nobody else is doing that. The world runs on what's the latest. Like, what's the latest on this? Oh my gosh, we heard this. What's going on? That's the, that's the way this world works. There's nothing unethical about reporting on something in its immediacy. That's a standard across the globe. Whether an earthquake happens, or a whistleblower says something, or emails get leaked, or an insider speaks out, the globe covers every aspect of news in this way it's it's not something that's unique to gaming i missed the super chat all right hang on bold alpha wolf pack with a five spot try to be more self-aware reforge we're on the topic of the biggest news in gaming when will you cover the insomniac leaks in explicit detail i don't know if we're going to circle back but i've referenced them many times I've referenced them and made reference to Spider-Man 3 being when they go multi-plat, Spider-Man 3 having multiplayer. I've referenced their timeline. I don't see a reason to go back and over, like comb over the documents in explicit detail. I never made a commitment to doing that, by the way. I never told people I was going to do that. I missed a couple of things. This is true. 
JW hit three years as a member. I'm so sorry I missed this, JW. Three years here, brother. It's been fun. Appreciate you and all you do. Love seeing the channel grow. Street Shadow, I am sorry. You did a second $5 super chat and I missed it. It says Microsoft used very well-crafted words in their statement. All companies do this, just like PlayStation saying, no big releases from existing franchises. I agree with you. And then we're all caught up. I am sorry that I missed a three-year resub, J-Dub. That's my bad. And I am sorry that I missed the $5 super chat. Lono, he reports on games. Uh, he's made one three-minute video in 16 years. He waits on all the details. There it is. Been patiently waiting. Yeah, I, I am sorry about that, JW. That's 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 one that should have been shouted as soon as it hit the chat. That's my bad. That's my bad, JW. You've been around for three years. You know that I don't in- ever intend um, to do that. Yo, Zubair, thanks for ordering some coffee. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, which email did this get sent to? I'm just going to have to forward it. Uh, forward. Do, do, do. Okay, what is that? You didn't pull a Tim Dog or a Peter. I'm not sure what you mean, Illuminati. I didn't pull a what? 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 I don't. I don't know what those gentlemen are doing. I don't generally care what people do that have attacked me. I don't pay any attention to them. Like if you use your platform to attack me and to slander me and to bring up lies and garbage from 2020, I don't really care. Like I said, I, I don't I don't concern myself with thinking about what people whom I have no respect for think about me. It just doesn't matter to me. I don't imagine anybody does. All right, in about six minutes. I'm trying to get this thing downloaded, uh, Kirk. Bio. How do I scan it? It's not letting me download it because it hasn't been virus scanned. Well, get to virus scanning it. We might just have to use generic footage. So in about six minutes, I am going to be talking with Kirk about Skull and Bones. There's a bunch of reviews coming out and they're all over the place. And then we're going to be asking the question... Is it good? Because I think it looks terrible. <laughs> so we're going to be talking to him about it. He's he's played it a bunch more than me. Uh, I did listen to a couple of reviews. I wanted to kind of have in my mind like some of the feedback and some of the things that have been said so we can kind of have that representation in it as well. Kind of like when we do a review roundup and I pull from multiple outlets. This will be similar, but we'll have sort of an on- you know, on-the-fly interview um, with somebody who has played the game. And I'm getting that set up right now. Okay, game and news. I'll have to set the scenes and stuff too, so you guys are just going to have to kind of bear with me. Yeah, quadruple A game skull and bones on the docket today for discussion. Okay. 
we'll set this for noon. It's barely mid. I'd give it a five. That's being charitable. Should we wait until everyone in the world is beating the game first? <laughs> Don't give into emotion at all. God. You you won't get apologies from me for covering something like, especially when it hasn't been falsified. There's no retraction. There's nothing to say. There isn't. Like the fact that people think that I think is embarrassing. Like you, you just. You, you sound like a sucker you sound like somebody who watched that video and watched that podcast and just absolutely got suckered into believing that they're not doing this thing like like I said I think it's just making it worse because everybody's going to turn around in a couple years and it's going to be just like the PC thing they're going to be like well they gave us assurances they weren't going to do it or it wasn't going to be every game it's like yeah they said the same thing about games hitting PC There was a storm of misinformation. What misinformation was spread? What? Misinformation would be false information. No one spread false information. They merely said, this is what we have heard. You see what I'm saying? Where's the misinformation? If, if 18 different outlets report tomorrow that Donkey Kong Country is coming to PlayStation, they say, according to our sources, this is happening. And later that day, the property owner of Donkey Kong Country comes out and says, this is not happening. This was, this was a false leak. Okay? Nobody spread misinformation. They simply reported what they had heard. And then they would update their reports. Right now, nobody can update their reports because nothing has come out as a refutation or repudiation of what was claimed. Nothing. That's the problem. You're looking for something that hasn't even happened yet. Telling someone to apologize for telling you something that they heard is crazy. Right? Like, if I came to you and I was like, yeah, uh, a buddy of mine said that Dave's going to be here on Friday, and then Dave gets in on Saturday, and you're like, apologize! I'm like, what? I just told you what I heard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Alright, let me get my camera set up. I don't have a camera plugged in for Kirk. Give me one second. cause a little bit of a stutter there when I do that because it messes with my monitors. Okay. Alright, let's get this man on a video call. Pop this out, put this over here. Volume mixer. 
Uh, how do I stack this? There we go. Are you there? Yeah, let me. Can you hear me? I, yep, I can. All right, I'm cutting the audio on a. Don't want you to hear your voice twice. Mm -hmm. I've got new images to use here from Creature. Some thematic imagery. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're gonna come here, and then we're. Gonna you need your bathroom break again. I am going to need that once this all gets set up. Yes. Okay, I will go back on the old live then, or the current. I guess. Yeah, you'll have a chance to talk to chat there. There's just no way for me to be live for this long and not take a brief. I've yeah, got, absolutely, man. Got to. I will I've, say, uh, if if you need a side gig. You might uh, be able to make some money on the side. Uh, you know, like those people that like being talked down to, you know, is like something that they're into. I think you'd be like pretty good at that if you like offered that as a service. Just just bully people. Like those restaurants that are rude. I'd kill it, you know? <laughs> just like, you don't, you don't know anything. You didn't check any of your facts, did you? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Did you? I like. I like. You liked my wife's impersonation of me banning people. I saw. Oh, that. it was so good. And then I loved that that clip on Twitter started with, "Were you grumpy?" <laughs> <laughs> she knows me. She knows. Yeah, me. exactly. Exactly. That's cute to see. <sighs> Let's see. I was gonna use skill ups. Review. Where is it? I watched it this morning. Why is it not in my watch history? Just oh, get a I'm catheter a for your desk. <laughs> Oh gosh, I've had one of those before because I had really bad uh, appendix. What's surgery. up, Dave Langer? Okay. Hey, Brandon Malboro. Right. Guys, I'm about to tell you why Skull of Bones is a ten out of ten. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're gonna go. Cap card one. Yep. That's okay, builds. Jen. Hold on, my nose is running. Sorry, guys. You can't see me blow my nose. That's gross. It's that time of year, man. It's the worst. Yeah, dude, it's rough. My my greatest, I wouldn't say greatest fear, <clears throat> but one of my fears when I start the monologue is that I'm going to get, you know... <laughs> five minutes in and have to sneeze what's with the ratio here something's not right I'm actually uh, I'm actually not anymore tan I think that the lighting was just really bad last time and it made me look vampiric it was also it was it was topical because we were talking about vampire a little bit so um, you know he was That's just trying to make. He was just trying to make the podcast immersive. It's for the content, guys. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always for the content. All right, I'm gonna swap this image to this new one that creature. Made. Oh, and all the things are different. Frick. Okay. Bring that down. That I'm pretty sure with my general personality, Dave Langer, people will think that I'm doing coke. So I don't know that blowing my nose is really, like, confirming that. I think that's just what people are already going to speculate. Oh, yeah. If you guys were here for when Lona was streaming the uh, 
the podcast after the Xbox podcast, and I was yelling like an idiot. Um, yeah, I thought we had 80 viewers, so I was just kind of being out of pocket. Yeah, I didn't realize that Lona was streaming to like 5,000 people, so you're <laughs> welcome for me making your eardrums bleed. I I should have... I didn't know how to say it. I like, Kirk, there's a lot of people watching, man. What you doing? But I was like, ah, let's just roll with it. Everybody's everybody's spicy after the podcast anyway. And I'm no I'm no Doc Dark, what can I say? Yep. Jim Gaffigan talked about that in his one stand up, you know? He's like, you know, a guy like that gets angry and they're like, Oh, he's got a Latin temper. And then if he's like, if I get angry, people are like, That guy's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a jerk. He's not very nice. He yelled. From the trading floor? Yeah, I traded all my PlayStation stock. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Perfect. We're ready to rock and roll. Okay. Guys, I'll provide a link in a minute here. And Doc we'll... light. Doc Ooh. very, very light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's terrible. But also funny. Okay. Flunky, I appreciate that. Someone's got to dress like a pirate. Yeah, I couldn't download your footage. It was like it didn't want to virus check it or something. So. Oh well, that sucks. I guess we'll use skill ups. Yeah, and I'll I'll credit him in the open. Let people know. Like, yeah, and that we can reference his review too, which I think is the best one on the internet right now. So that works out. Yeah, his is his is excellent. I really liked it. Because uh <laughs> I got to read this out loud. Parasito says, "Hey Kirk, how do you simultaneously look like someone who gets bullied after school on a Minecraft server and also the guy who picks up the bully's mom in a Porsche at the same time?" That's because I do those things on the same day. Like that is an accurate depiction of a day in the life <laughs> uh discussing this with Kirk what wait 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 it's Warner What's warmer your... gray warmer like warm gray it's because my last name is gray okay I just did a little quote. I just saw the look of disdain of like, you couldn't come anything better than that. Jesus Christ, dude, we got to get you like a branding consultant or something. (laughs) Detective Seeds, what are you doing? Just dropping 10 bombs all of a sudden? Taking us to 47. Uh, True SSJ Havoc. I miss a two spot from True SSJ Havoc and a two spot from the Beesums. Ace of Butterfield. (laughs) Butterfield, what? I'll owe you guys five if we hit 50. We'll probably do that in the next stream. If you hit it here, I'll do it. I got to quickly run upstairs and use the restroom. I'll be right back, and we're going to ask Kirk. Skull and Bones. Is it good? <laughs> that's a good, that's our title, and I'm sticking Plot to twist, it. Plot twist, yes, so don't leave on redirect. Uh-oh. I'll be right yeah. back. Yeah, had again. I hope you enjoy it. Ultros is a, a pretty great game, and I gave it an eight. But a lot of people were higher on it because, um, well, I'm just not that much of a 2D like Metrovania platformer guy. 
but even still i thought it was really cool so i still gave it an eight but there's a lot of people that gave it nines and i bet there's a 10 out there somewhere and the game deserves the love it's getting Yeah, Jaggy Snake, that is literally the discourse. It's not Black Flag crap game. It's not Black Flag. It's not trying to be Black Flag. The messaging has been a little bit bad, though. <laughs> I'm glad you guys like me. That would be rough if I just came on and everybody hated it. Count Chocolate is a bit bit rough, Dave. I, I don't know. I don't know if I am willing to abide that, honestly. Yeah, Ultras is cool. Um, from the same publisher, Pacific Drive. I can't talk about it because the review embargo is tomorrow, which is annoying because I wanted to talk to you guys about it on you know this hour coming up. But I am reviewing Pacific Drive, and all I'll say is you guys should keep an eye on it. Um, when reviews and stuff come out, but yeah, I can't talk about it, but it's the same publisher as Ultras. It's an interesting concept for a game. Hey, Donnie! What's going on, Donnie? Thanks, I'm glad you guys like having me on. Um, this hour, the noon hour on Monday seems like it's going to be a regular thing because... As you guys know, Lono goes for a long time by himself, and especially on a Monday coming back from a weekend, that can be very difficult to have everything ready to go, you know, at the start of the week for him to go, what, three and a half hours? Nine, no, two and, two and a half. No, three, three and a half. Yeah, it, he, so he goes two and a half. So I come in so he doesn't have to go three and a half by himself. So I'm happy to do it. Like, this is like what I want to be doing. I really like video game coverage in particular. Lono's a good, like, news spin guy. Like, like if he did politics, like, he'd be... You know, he'd, he'd have his own show on, like, Fox or NBC or whatever. But I'm more, I'm more of a coverage guy. Thanks, Joker. I appreciate that. I'm glad some people like my point of view, because usually it's weird and... Um, I don't know. Off color. Okay. Give me a sentence. I haven't looked at the volume bar yet. What I want to get where your volume is at right now. <clears throat> um, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. Okay. As long as you don't yell, we'll be all right. That'll be good. Yeah, and I will say for the <laughs> Banishers one, uh, when I was cutting together my edit for that, you were way louder than me. So maybe keep that in mind. I don't See, the, know. If... The, pro the problem is, is you have one of those voices that peaks, but then when you just settle down and talk, it yeah. calms down. So it's like I try to adjust it on the fly. I'm like going to be such a fuller sound. I'll, I'll try to watch it throughout the show, because I don't like that either. I've been on shows where I'm way quieter, and I'm like... Oh. like this the entire time, just right into the mic like this. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> that makes you so uncomfortable. I did that on the other show, when we were when we were, like, doing the, the PS5 dirty talk, and, like, yeah. I could see you were literally, like, writhing. Like, you were like... I'm like an audio no, snob, and I'm, no. like, I'm like, stop it. Make it stop! Stop doing that? 
There's thousands of people watching. Stop it. <laughs> now they loved it. Oh, yeah, they did as they all yeah. left and said they hate. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, as they all went to order their body pillow. <laughs> all right, guys, link in chat. There is a link in the chat. That is where we are going. I will redirect you as well, but sometimes redirect isn't the best. Yeah, It'll come, also... come over to hear my horrible takes. You don't want to miss this. That's right. I am going to try to convince you that Skull and Bones is a good game, so don't go anywhere. Let me turn it's going to be a good time. Lono's probably going to grill me. If he has any journalistic integrity, which I believe he has at least a semblance of it. I'm not sure anymore. I see a bunch <laughs> of clips of you online, and I'm just like, oh, man, that guy's washed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. Thanks so much for checking out this video. I'm sitting down with Kirk from What's New Video Games, and he will be clickable below, as well as a link to skill ups review we're going to use his footage we couldn't get the footage from kirk in time like i tried to download it but that's the footage you're going to be seeing throughout this we're going to be asking the question skull and bones is it good and this is designed as a way to help expand coverage here on reforge gaming i can't play every game and i had no interest in playing this game because (laughs) i think it looks bad and so we're going to be asking kirk if it's any good see if he can convince me to play it instead of all the time I've spent playing Helldivers 2 over the weekend. So I'm going to end the previous stream. I did a breakdown of the podcast uh, from Xbox. I hadn't had a chance to do that yet in a, in a lengthy monologue.